Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. We're going to have a great night. If you are new to Sunday nights, I want to welcome you. I am Pastor Daniel, for those who don't know me, and welcome to all of you guys that are joining us online as well. I am very excited about the message. I've just kind of been pondering this. I ran through, I can't tell you how many titles I came up with. Uh, I have like this whole like running list of titles, but I, I decided that we would call it YOLO. And you, you can kind of like catch this, that there's a whole group of young people who all laughed, and then there's the people who are like, YOLO? Is that like a yo-yo? No. Um, so YOLO was a phrase that was used uh, a while back to say you only live once. And it's a really powerful thought that was used in the opposite way that it should be used. It was used to justify stupidity. And they're sitting here and they're like, do you want to do this? It's kind of scary. It's kind of dangerous. YOLO! And then they would just go do something stupid. But, but this concept is, is actually quite powerful. This idea that you have a life and you have one of them and you get to decide how to spend it is actually really important because is in life there are so many things that you can have and most of them you can replace you go through this and you spend your money stupidly that's a bummer you can get more but here's the problem with time once you spend it it's gone if you mean to spend it it's gone if you don't mean to spend it, it's gone. And be, it just kind of changes things because time doesn't ask how intentional you are with it. It just passes. And so I begin to kind of looking at this idea of what do I want to do with the time that I have? If my time is limited, which it is, I... All of us, I can't tell you like exactly how long you've got, but I can tell you this with certainty. You have a limited amount of time. What are you going to do with it? And as I kind of got thinking about this, it, it brought me back to college because I have learned that if you have an excess amount of time, it is really easy to waste it. I mean, as college students, you can get really busy uh, because you have to go to college do all the assignments, and you still have to have a job and the other type of adult things that need to occur. But you get into a class and they would give you assignments and they would tell you that there's going to be an exam at the end of, of this term or trimester or whatever it is that you've got. And it was really easy when they told you like, hey, you need to have this small thing submitted every week to do it. But sometimes they'd be like, you have a massive assignment and we are warning you that you have these months to do this massive assignment. And you're like, great, cool. You're like, well, I haven't even hardly started the class. Don't know what it's really about. I can't finish my assignment yet. And how many realize that the night before things are due, college students don't tend to get much sleep. There, there's this, this thing, this reason where so often they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna work on that. And they do a little bit and then they're like, crud, tomorrow things are due and tomorrow is an exam and 
put the coffee on. I'm like, I, I don't actually drink coffee much. I occasionally drink sugar that happens to have coffee in it. But I am not actually a coffee drinker. And I remember the one night I discovered that I had more things to do the next day than I was prepared for. Uh, and in, in fairness, they had given me plenty of warning, but it just didn't seem that urgent until all of a sudden it was that urgent. And so I came down and I'm like, all right, I got to stay up and I got to do this, but I don't do coffee. Coffee tastes gross. So they have Milo, which I went to college in Australia, so things were a little bit different. And it's like this chocolate powder. And so I'm like, all right, if I put some of the instant coffee and I put some of the chocolate powder and that chocolate powder is not that sweet, so then you add a little bit of sugar. I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. But I have this gift of drinking things unaware. And so you get your, your hot drink there and you go back to, to working and typing and, and all of a sudden you're like, where'd it go? I'll go get another one. And then after three of these uh, and, and, and working, I was running around the house on my hands while waiting for the water to warm back up. And the family I was living with, their daughter's like, what, what, how much of that did you drink? I'm like, I had three cups. She's like, how much of the coffee did you put in? I'm like, two scoops, because like with chocolate milk, you always put in two scoops. And she goes, it was supposed to be one. Ah, so the man who never drinks coffee had six cups, the equivalent of six cups of coffee in one night. Uh, at some point, I thought, you know what? I should probably try to get some sleep. It did not work very well. I like laid down. <laughs> it's been like three minutes, sorry. But anyways, but my point is that when you have an abundance of time, when you don't feel the urgency, it's very easy to waste the time. And I would ask for all the procrastinators to raise their hand, but they'd get around to it later, so we'll just skip that. <laughs> but I wish I could say that all of that disappeared in college. But sadly, there's plenty of areas that I find myself still not managing it until the pressure is there. And part of the problem is that time passes at the same rate whether I'm aware of it or not. And eventually we all run out of time. And so as I, I got looking at this, what is it that you want to do before you run out of time? What will, uh, what will you do with it while you have it? Isaiah 55, verse 6, says this, says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now, this is a really powerful verse, but I was thinking about this, and there is some things that this verse challenges. There is some thinking that, or feelings that many of us may hold, even if we've never thought about them. Um, I think all of you guys would agree that God loves you. Like, if I tell you God loves you, none of you are like, what? The pastor thinks God loves me? Now, you might turn and go, you say that because you don't know me, but I think all of us aren't too surprised at this idea that God loves us, that God has great grace and mercy, but it's easy for this idea that God loves me and that God is full of grace and mercy to give me the idea that I have all the time in the world. In fact, it was a few years back that there was a bumper sticker that went around that said, love wins. And, and God is love, 
in the end, God wins, but winning doesn't mean he gets everything the way that he wants it. Because forcing someone into a relationship isn't loving. We have a different name for that. But, I, but when I look at this, it's so easy to go, well, if God loves us, doesn't that mean, can't I just get right later? His grace will cover. And there's these, these thoughts. And some people will, will verbalize them. And a lot of people just don't realize what it is that they use to allow themselves to live however they feel like for the moment. But Joel chapter 2, verse 12 says, that is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Psalms 32, 6. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time. And I just got thinking about this idea that my time is limited. What am I going to do? Am I going to call on him now? And a lot of people have a life strategy of a buzzer beater. You guys, anyone who, who's familiar with, with sports, and particularly basketball, they get this idea that, you know, in the last second, if the game is really close, if you're tied or if you're down by, by just one or two, if you can shoot a good three, that last second shot, as long as it leaves your hand before the buzzer buzzes, they say it still counts. And there are many people whose eternity is resting on the fact that they think they can get in a good buzzer beater. They're like, I'm going to do what I want, but before it's too late, I will repent. And God's grace will cover me. But I have news for you. Um, buzzer beater is a bad life strategy. Uh, but it's so easy to put off things that don't feel urgent, even if you know that they're incredibly important. I was having a conversation with some friends the other day, and they're, they're friends I bike with, and, and they do a lot of bike racing. And uh, I got into, I did my first race with them this last year. And I was talking to them about season, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, season's coming. I'm like, well, yeah, we knew it was coming. Like, it comes every year. But they're like, no, no, it's coming. It's May 1st. I'm like, May 1st? I didn't think it like kicked off until like June. They're like, no, it, it's, it's May 1st. We've like already like shifted the diet. We're shifting the, the routine. And they're going through all of this. I'm like, crud, I am way behind. I knew it was coming, but it just felt like it was coming a long ways away. And even though I knew I wanted to make it important, and, and it's easy to look and maybe go, you know what, hey, that's a race. That's, that's not an important thing. There's not anybody in here who is unaware that health is important. But I have, I've got a friend, and I'll, actually I've got a few of them that fit this, but Bob. Bob had a incredibly near-death experience, actually twice. Heart-related issues that's cause was diet, exercise, or lack of exercise, and weight. And led to cardiovascular issues, ended up at the hospital, and doctor go, you can change or you can die. Now, there was, it was not shocking that he wasn't healthy. But do you realize that that put a different sense of urgency 
And all of a sudden, some things changed. My goal today is to bring back the urgency before it's too late. For us to recognize that my time is limited and I want to use it right. I want to seek the Lord while he may be found. I want to call upon him while he's near. In Luke chapter 13, verse 24, it says, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Why would they not be able? Because he said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So why is it, how is it that they could be calling on him unable? It goes on. Once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you'll begin to stand outside and knock knock at the door and the Lord will say, "Um, I do not know you. There's a bunch of people who are waiting and think that they can wait until they stand in front of God. And when they stand in front of God, they'll say, oh Lord, I'm sorry. That is too late. It's like trying to go into the basketball game after the game is over to quick catch back up. I'm going to shoot a bunch of baskets. You're like, the game's over. But I'm scoring. No one's stopping me. <laughs> it's because it doesn't matter anymore. And there's a lot of people who don't realize that our time is limited. And that, that there are those who aren't going to be ready when God returns. And as I begin to look at this, there's, there's so much to it. Oftentimes, we view the mercy and grace of God as such a safety net that we put off our faith. We lose our sense of urgency. It's not that we stop believing, but we stop letting it affect our living. When I was thinking about Bob, Bob had two of these close encounters. And it was crazy because when he had a, a doctor's deal that was a, hey, you're, you need to change or die, he lost an insane amount of weight. He got healthy. He was working out. He was eating well. And it was great. But after a while, the urgency went away. That's why there was two of them. Because in time, he just stopped feeling the the pressure. He stopped feeling the importance. Now, if you were to ask him, Bob, is your health important? He'd be like, yeah. Does what you eat affect it? Up here, he still knew it affected it. And I got thinking about this. I'm like, well, how come he could know it? How come he could believe it? And how come it didn't directly affect the choices that he was making each day? And this is, this is what I came up with. It wasn't new information that he stopped. It's not that he stopped believing in the big picture importance. They just stopped believing that each small decision matters in the big picture. If every time you took a bite of a dessert you put on 15 pounds, it would be really easy. You'd be like, what just happened? Like, like, I'm putting those away. Like, if every time you went to the gym, you left all of a sudden ripped, you're like, yeah. But it doesn't work like that. It's not like, hey, I, I eat things and I instantly get fat and I work out and I instantly am ripped. You're like, it's a lot of little things that add up and all of a sudden, 
someday you just realize where the little things that you've been doing take you. And there's a lot of people who go, in my head I know and I believe, but I don't believe that the little things that I do in my daily life affect where I'm going to be eventually, so I don't pay attention to the choices I'm making today because I don't have a sense of urgency. And sometimes we need to wake up, and it's best to wake up not at the doctor's office. It's best not to wake up in the ER going, why did my heart stop? Why did I have a heart attack? And have them look at you and go, because you have been unhealthy. Because of all of these different cumulative effects of years of living. And it it just, it got me thinking. And, And one of the things it got me thinking about is do you realize that Jesus didn't tell you when it's due? He didn't tell you how long you have? You aren't born with a gauge on the back of your hand that says, here's how long you have to live. He didn't say, hey, by the way, I am coming back in the year 2024, 2023, May 12. Hope you're ready. Do you want to know why? Because if he did, we'd be like college students. And everyone would be putting it off. And then like May 11, the church would be full. Except there wouldn't have been a church because no one would have been around. So many people would not have been around and not giving because they're procrastinating, putting it off because they knew they had time until the very last moment. But this is what Jesus says. Be on your guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a trip, leaving his servant in charge, and he he goes on. And then Matthew 24, 44, you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour that you do not expect him. And the practical application of this is really simple. Live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. And as I begin pondering this, I realize that there's two sides to this coin. The first side is really obvious. The first side is if you are not right with God, I will give you an opportunity before I am finished for you to be right with God and to know that you're right with him. And it's so important. There's a lot of people who go, I know a lot of the stuff here, but I have not let it affect my life. Because it's just so far off. But I don't know how much time you've got. You don't know how much time you've got. But there's another side to this coin. What are you doing for him? And sometimes we get this just down to, well, my time is just about, did I get right with God? Have I made him my Lord? But there's more. What do you want to do before he returns? Before you stand in front of him? So as I was kind of thinking about this, I, re- I told you I, ha- I had some friends who I did a bike race with. So last year, I did my first bike race. And it started with this conclusion that I was no longer getting enough exercise on accident. At one point, it started like, I just do a lot and I'm fine. Then at some point, you're like, oh, wait, stages of life have changed. If I don't exercise on purpose, it doesn't happen. And so I got an exercise bike in the basement, started riding. And then I'm like, well, how close to reality is this? And then I had to ride outside. And then I'm like, what's it like? I got some friends who ride a lot. I'm like, well, I'll go ride with them. And then we're riding further, riding faster. He's like, you should do a race with us. 
I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a race. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like really confident and really good. I'm like, I'm going to do a race with them. I'm like, how, like you, you're, you're racing with the A's. You're like, you're like ridiculously insane. But how fast is the, the slower group? And he's like, oh, you could do it. I'm like, yeah, thanks. But how fast are they? He's like, oh, they're averaging 24 mile an hour. I was like, uh. He's like, you got this. I'm like, okay, okay, I got this. So can you put up that picture? Uh, this is not the best quality, but nonetheless, that is my first bike race. I'm not the guy in the back, but uh, <laughs> I'm up there not as far as I should be. But so we, we got around there and we're racing. It's 16 laps. It's going to be uh, like 28 and a half uh, or 28.8 miles um, for this race, 16 laps, and I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm like, I, I, I know what I'm doing. Like, they gave me some instructions. I know how to bike, but this is, and they've been teaching me and training me some different things, but this is crazy. Like, we averaged 24.8 miles an hour for an hour and 10 minutes, and you're riding inches behind other people. Yeah, so you're literally... You're, you're drafting because, and the closer that you are to them, the less work that you have to do and the more work that they do for you. But if you hit them, then there can be a domino effect and a massive like collision. So don't hit them, but let them do as much work for you as possible. There's a lot of strategy going on. And then as you're navigating all of this, and they told me most everybody on race number one gets dropped, which means if you get more than two minutes behind the pack, they like mark you off and you don't get to finish. And so my goal going into this was like, don't get dropped. Like, I don't know how fast they're going to go. I'm not, this is my first one, but I'm don't get dropped. And I'm, and I'm riding and I'm holding with them and I'm not dying. This is good. And I was doing better than I expected. I was feeling strong. My, my watch was telling me that my heart rate was pretty high, but I was, we're rocking this thing. And as we're going, I discovered there's easy spots and there's hard spots on this track. There's, there's spots where they're not pushing as hard. I mean, we're, we're still flying, but where they're not pushing as hard and I can go faster than a lot of people. And then there's some spots where they all like pull away from me. I'm like, oh, I gotta get faster on hills. But we're going through this. And as we get close to the end, I am just like following the pack, taking my cue from what everybody is doing there, and we get to the lap, the lap one. So it's counting down, and as we're coming around, nobody's all of a sudden taking off. It's still moving as just a massive peloton, this massive unit. And I'm like, am I missing something? What is going on? And so I'm just like cruising. I mean, you're, you're not cruising. We're going like 24 and a half mile hour, but we're just sticking with them. And I make it three quarters, uh, maybe 60% away around the track. And I pace a girl. I'm like, hey, is it one and then final? Or is it one and then done? And she's like, it's one and done. I'm like, oh, I need to be up there. Like, <laughs> I, am, I am not where I want to be. So then in this last little bit, I'm trying to like work my way up the pack. And then we get around the corner, come up the hill, and we now have... But as I was passing a few people, I get to this hill and they're faster than me on the hill. So they're like passing me. And then we get up and there's like a 400 yard straightaway for the finish. 
But now everybody has gone single file from the blob to a single file line. And there's a lot of people in front of me. And I'm like, properly, you don't want to sprint until like the last 200 yards because you can only sprint for so far before you just give out. You, you just blow up. And so I'm like, if I wait till the proper point, when I get to the proper point, the first person's already going to be across the finish line. So as we came up to the top of that hill, I, I pulled out and I just started, started turning to, and started passing people and passing people. I'm like, yeah. And then before I get to the finish line, I'm like, like I am out of gas. And then all the bunch of these people who passed me, who I'd passed, passed me. I'm like, no. And I, I get to the end and I, I finished 15th and I'm like, okay. But I'm like, if I just knew what I now know, if I would have just done my last lap over, I would be top 10. Because I didn't push when I should have pushed. I was waiting till the end. And I learned something. In a sprint, you can only do so much. You can't make up for everything in a sprint. But a lot of people are living their life waiting for a sprint. And they're putting it off going, well, I'll get it right. I'll do it right later. They don't know how long they have, but they're hoping that they see the end before it comes and will make last minute plans to do all the things that they should have done. The things for God, the things for their family. There are so many things, but they keep putting them off. But you can only cover so much ground with a sprint. Who do you want to tell about Jesus? Who do you want to pray for? Who do you need to forgive? Because I don't know how long you've got. But I know if that you wait till the last moment, that you probably won't get it all done. But I know that if you take right now and you say, you know what? What do I want to have done before I see Jesus? And you start doing it, that it can change everything. That when we recognize <clears throat> that my time is limited, it changes how we live. And it can set us free. See, most bucket lists are done backwards. <clears throat> if you're not familiar with the bucket list, this is the idea that there are some things I want to do before I kick the bucket. But most of the time they go, what do I want to do before I kick the bucket? Not, what things do I want to have done before I stand in front of God? See, because if it's just about what do I want to do, it's going to be a short-term experience. But if it's what do I want to have done, then I'm going to weigh this and go, I'm going to stand in front of God and I'm going to present something to him. My life. What's that going to look like? What? See, if, if I was just to tell people, hey, you've got 36 hours to live. Most people's first thought is, what do I want to do with my, my last 36 hours? And their whole focus is on the 36 hours. But what if we change it to, 
in 36 hours, you are going to stand in front of Jesus as the judge, as the rewarder. See, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 19, he says, Behold, I'm coming soon and bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he's done. Or one translation says, I'm bringing my paycheck with me. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he goes, what? What, what do you want to stand in front of him and present? See, there's, there's a story where he commissions servants and he commissions them with talents. Now, I love that he used that word because for them, it was a term for an amount of money. A talent was like 20 years wages. So it was a large amount of money. But when I hear talent, I think of the talent that you have. And of those that he gave it to, the first one, Use that talent to achieve a bunch, to do a bunch, to make more. And when the master returned, he said, Master, you gave me five, but look, here's 10. The next one comes and goes, Hey, master, you gave me two, but check it out. Here's four. I put to work what you gave me. And the master looked and he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. And the last one goes, I had one. I was afraid. I hit it. I didn't use it. Here it is. And the master responds, you wicked and lazy servant. I thought, what talents, what gifts, what relationships, what opportunities did he give me? And if I know that my time is limited, if I don't know how much time I have, I need to make use of the time today so that I'm ready when that time comes. And I want to challenge you, whether you're old or whether you're young, sometimes we look and we go, well, the average life expectancy is far above my age, so I still have time. That's not true. I've done funerals for my students. And that's assuming that you die naturally. What if Jesus comes back first? What do you want to have done? In 1 Corinthians 3, he tells us that each person's work will be tested and it will be revealed by fire, what sort of work it is. And if, if the work has been built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if not, anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved through the fire. I, I, as I looked at this, so you know, if I was to make a list, if you were to make a list, say, what matters? I think all of us could write a pretty good list. But if I was to, to take each of our lists, and go, these things in life matter. 
eternity. How much of our time are we spending on those? Because Jesus says that orphans matter. He said that widows matter. He said that children matter. He said that time with him matters. How I use the resources that he gave me matter. I look and it blows me away because I don't know how long I've got, but I know that one day I'm going to stand in front of him that he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Matthew 25. This verse, I swear it wrecks me so often. He separates everybody. Jesus says, this is what it's going to be like. And he turns and he goes to one group and he says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. And he goes through this list. And they go, when? He goes, when you did it to the least of these. But when he turns to the other group, they look and they say to him, Lord, when? He says that, that they saw him in these places and they didn't. And they say, Lord, when did we see you like that? He goes, when you did it to the least of these. And then he, in the end, they go off to judgment. But do you realize that they just called him Lord? But it was too late. I looked and I go, no. I'm going to stand in front of you and I want to use the time that I have. I want to know that when I stand in front of you, that I'm going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to look, and when you go, what do you have to present? I don't want to go, well, in the last two hours, I sprinted. I made 15 phone calls to people who needed to know you. I want to know that I used my life so that my waiter may know Jesus, that I used my life so that my kids would want to know my Jesus, that I used my life in a way that represents him well, that I didn't wait to forgive somebody because I figured I would do that later. I wanted to make sure that I use the time that I have wisely and I want to challenge you because I promise you that your time is limited. So what are you going to do with it? Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? There, there may be some here, there, may be, there are some here, and there's some online who say, I may know a lot about God, I may believe some of this, but it's not affected my life. I don't know that I'm right with God. Maybe you figured that you'd just get right with him later, but now is the time. If today you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you want to know that you're right with him, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to count to three. And if you say, today, I want to make him my Lord, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, get ready. Two, three. Go ahead and raise up your hand. Say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. Who else is that's me? Awesome. Who else? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I see your hand as well. Who else? I want to know that I'm right with him. All right. If you're online, you can just type in, that's me. But we're going to say a prayer. And the Bible says that whoever calls on his name will be saved. So that's what we're going to do. So go ahead and pray. Let me say, God, thank you for loving me. I believe 
Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid the price for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my King and my Lord. I will no longer live for myself. I will live for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.